Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. Start the countdown. Six weeks until training camp. That's right. So how about we use this time to revisit what's happened in the offseason, going position by position. Who's new? Who's back? What should we expect? Up first, the offensive line. Maybe the most important position group heading into 2021. First, though, a tip of the cap to the Suns. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 432, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Murray rolls to the right, throws near side, defense caught, and he's into the end zone for the touchdown! Here's Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. DJ Humphreys, Kyler Murray, J.J. Watt, and I'm sure I'm missing other players. MJ, I think I saw Buda Baker, Chase Edmonds as well. Bottom line, there are lots of Cardinal players who have turned to social media to express their support of the Suns, and I like it. I think it's very good to not only see that, but also show your support as well. Yeah, and I've always thought, you know, when we have any local team now we always focus maybe on the four majors and if you know one of the college teams are doing well here in the valley I think it brings a community together and we're starting to see that and you know let's be honest the Suns you know they haven't won a playoff series in 10 years you know the Cardinals want to get back to the postseason we know the Diamondbacks are kind of scuffling right now Cowdy's looking for a new manager but I just feel like you know there's a lot of um you know, dislike out there and, you know, a lot of trolls. But when we have a, a local team that's doing well and they're fun to watch and they're entertaining, I think just it brings a community together. And I think we're seeing that because, Craig, I moved here in 1988. And we all know the Suns were the original team, of course, Barkley in 92-93. And then you move on, when, you know, the Mike D'Antoni and Steve Nash years. And, you know, it's nice to see them. And you got to give them a lot of credit. And I know that you covered – the Suns for a long time, so you know a lot of those people in the front office, and I'm just happy for them and the trickle-down effect for the fans. And you can't say enough about James Jones and Monty Williams and what Chris Paul's done in seven months is remarkable. I can't speak for other markets, but the synergy that there is among all the professional sports franchises in town, and for those Bird Gang fans that don't live in the Valley or in Arizona. Just give us this moment here because it is good to see. It is good to hear. Cliff Kingsbury was at a game recently, mentioned his man crush on Chris Paul. Everyone right now has Suns fever. And the bottom line is the key here, and Kyler brought this up, MJ, is to carry this over to the starts of the NFL season. Have this be a multi-sport run here in the Valley. And one of the things, and we can say this uh, with 100% confidence, I mean, not only the players, the organization, uh, they need the fans back at State Farm Stadium. They missed them last year. You know, it was it was weird. It was awkward. And right now, you know, we're hoping uh, that everything goes well when it comes to protocols, that we have a full stadium again, because you're talking 16,000 rocking versus 65,000 rocking. And we know sometimes the opposing fans are going to be in there, but it wasn't the same last year, and what you see the synergy is a good word. The Cardinals and Kyler Murray said we want to have that during our season, and that's the expectation. And obviously, you got to win. And we think on paper this team has made major improvements across the ball, and now it's just a matter of coming together 
and respecting the process like the Suns have done over the years. There is no question it is different. Watching it on television, listening to it on the radio, I have not been in attendance, but there is a huge difference, and it's the feeling, the energy that you get from your crowd. And let's hope, knock on wood, that that is the case here in 2021 at State Farm Stadium. Week 2 is the home opener against the Minnesota Vikings, and that brings us to what we're doing today and over the next several weeks. And that's to do a little bit of a review, looking at every position group. We've got it mapped out between now and the start of training camp, which is at the end of July. Big picture, though, MJ, and you brought it up. Safe to say that the 2021 Arizona Cardinals much improved, at least on paper, over last season. I mean, we can sit here and talk about, you know, adding a guy like Malcolm Butler at the corner spot. Now, it looks like, you know, when you look at quarterback one, it could be Byron Murphy. I think we're all anticipating, you know, Robert Alford coming back. What can you say about, you know, adding a guy like J.J. Watt? a healthy Jordan Phillips. I mean, you just look at that and retaining Marcus Golden. You know, Chandler Jones is under contract coming off an injury. I anticipate he's going to be there for all the 17 uh, games in 18 weeks. And then you look at the offensive side of the ball, going out and getting A.J. Green, and I'm encouraged what Kyler Murray said about him. He thinks he's uh, flying under the radar. We know Hop, Rondell Moore, looks like Christian Kirk's probably motivated. And then Rodney Hudson. And then you just look at – you know, I just think that positions they discuss going into the offseason, you can't resign all your own players. I think they've upgraded them on paper. Now it's a matter of coming together, chemistry, and everyone getting on the same page in one goal. We shouldn't worry about stats. It's about winning football games. Well, I'll give you one stat, and this is courtesy media relations, but four players, J.J. Watt, A.J. Green, Rodney Hudson, and Matt Prater, a combined 17 Pro Bowl selections and 10 All-Pro selections. Now, again, these are guys that are a little bit older. We made a joke, and it became a joke in free agency that it was one 30-year-old or 31, 32-year-old added after another. But there seems to be a renewed sense of energy amongst those individual players, a fresh start, if you will. And, yes, it is a big risk. But the reward on the other side that we hope transpires is not only to get to the postseason for the first time in five years, but make a deep run in the postseason. And then, you know, I'm glad you mentioned Matt Prater. Um, You know, his numbers weren't great, but this guy's been clutch throughout his career, especially when a game's on the line if you need a 50 or 52-yard field goal before the half. So that's an upgrade. And I think you and I are on the same page when it comes to Rondell Moore. Uh, When it comes to the return game, that should improve. We all know that Aaron Brewer's been steady. Uh, Andy Lee's getting up there, but still effective on, you know, kicking balls inside the 20. So field position is a big deal when it comes to special teams. So I think across the board. And then I'm going to piggyback on what I watched over the last couple weeks with Cliff Kingsbury, you know, not just spending so much time with Kyler Murray. I think Kyler obviously is on the same page with Cam Turner, who's the quarterback's coach. And Cliff actually was walking around. We talked about it last week. But I think, you know, just from a head coaching standpoint, yes, we know he's going to be the play caller. We know they got a good staff on offense. He trusts those guys. But it was nice to see him going to different groups and kind of being a head coach. And, again, I understand the head coach and quarterback are attached at the hip the first couple years. But at the end of the season, I'm sure Cliff sat down with, um, you know, ownership and, and the front office and said, you know, hey, we're here. We need to get to this spot. And so I did see a difference in Cliff Kingsbury. And, and I like the coaching staff, all the teaching going on, because that's what coaching's about, teaching, Monday through Saturday, and then you hope the players don't make those mental mistakes on Sundays. Well, let's go back to what we touched on in our most recent 
episode here on Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. And that was when Coach was asked about self-scouting and he brought up how the team finished. Losing back-to-back games within the division with an opportunity each week, 16 and 17. You win that game, you're in the postseason, and it did not happen. And it just seems that that was something that, yes, we talked a lot about, but it certainly was also talked amongst the coaching staff and then Kingsbury in the front office as well. So here we are. July 27th is kind of the date that everyone is pointing to as far as training camp. Nothing officially has been announced, but that's what the NFL has floated. If you look or if you follow the Adam Schefters and Ian Rappaport, those are the players as far as when you look at when this start is going to be because they want all 32 teams to open at roughly the same time or on the same day. There might be some adjustment for a couple of teams that actually are playing in that Hall of Fame game, but uh, that will come over the next several days, weeks to come. But while we've got this time, that is what we want to focus on here on Cardinals Cover 2 and looking at these position groups. We did it a lot ahead of free agency. Now let's do it here in the offseason, post-free agency, post-the draft. And first up in our position group review, the offensive line. I think maybe the most important position group heading into the season. Agree or disagree? Oh, I agree. I mean, it obviously going to come down to Kyler Murray and him making that jump in year three, but it all starts up front, and you're going to go through some of the numbers where there were improvements last year, but you and I know the eye test down the stretch. They were not up to par. They were rotating players. I think some guys got, you know, a little bit winded, not so much maybe that, or just were banged up like a guy like J.R. Sweezy, who I have a ton of respect for. He's a free agent right now, but I – I just think with the one-two punch, and we know that Murray's come out and said, you know, running is a luxury for him. You know, you look at the tight ends, maybe they're not very deep, but I do like the top two guys. I'm sure they're going to add another. Um, I'm encouraged what Kyler Murray said about the wide receivers. So, again, protection, and I like the fact that, you know, uh, on paper, we could see, you know, three of the last uh, or three of the five guys that started last year, and then you bring in a Rodney Hudson. I mean, that's an instant upgrade at center. And when you look at the offensive line, it's five guys, hopefully that they stay healthy the entire season, and it's protecting Kyler Murray, and it's also opening up running lanes for Murray or maybe a Chase Edmonds, James Conner. So there is a lot riding on those five individuals, and it's not always about the quarterback, but 90% of their job is to make sure Murray stays upright. But let's not forget about the run game in all this as well because you have to be able to run the ball if you want an effective passing game. Yeah, and I believe the Cardinals are going to be more physical at the line of scrimmage. I don't know if they're going to run the ball 30 times. Cliff, if they have to run it to win, that's got to be the approach. But for the most part, you get you run the ball, you're trying to get in second and three, second and four, third and two. All of a sudden, I utilize play action. When you're behind the sticks, you're forced to throw it, and teams are going to start teeing off on you. So to me, they're the backbone of this offense, and I want to see what they can do um, from day one when we get to camp and obviously carry over to the, to the season because, you know, two years ago I thought they, they built the foundation under Sean Coogler and then again last year I think some guys got banged up and, you know, they started rotating and I don't think that's going to be the case. You can always have, a, you know, eight dress on game day and we know one of these guys is going to be a swing tackle, possibly Josh Jones. We'll have to wait and see. But for the most part, you know, I like where they're at and the fact is, you know, these guys have been together for a while, except for a guy like Rodney Hudson. To me, he's a plug-and-play guy. 
Here's who's back. DJ Humphreys, Justin Pugh, Kelvin Beecham. That's three-fifths of last year's starting group. Humphreys and Beecham started all 16 games last season. Pugh, 15 starts. That continuity, yes, you would like to see everyone come back every single season. That's just not how the NFL operates. There's always change. There's always turnover. But that is a good starting point to have three starters return from last year's group. Yeah, and if you look at it, I mean, uh, obviously they made a decision to move on from Mason Cole, so they get a draft pick there. And, you know, I, like I said, I'm a, I was a big J.R. Sweezy fan. I thought he really helped his team when it came to physicality. Probably more uh, better in the run blocking than pass protection, but that's the reason why you have Beecham over there and you had another lineman. So, again, I mean, that's the NFL. It's constant change. And, you know, again, uh, they decided to move on from Cole, and right now, J.R. Sweezy is a free agent. And those three, Humphreys, Beecham, and Pugh, all very solid last season. Humphreys received the fifth highest overall grade and third best run blocking grade among tackles, according to Pro Football Focus. He allowed just three sacks all season long. Beecham also allowed just three sacks all season and then earned himself a two-year contract in the offseason. That was one of those question marks in going into free agency, MJ. We talked about, all right, it's the right side. Sweezy's a free agent. Beecham's a free agent. What do you do at that position? Cardinals saw enough of Beecham to say, hey, we want you back not only for 2021, but we want you under contract for two seasons. And I think considering where Beecham was a year ago, during free agency on the street, and he was a quote-unquote late pickup, if you will, because everyone kind of penciled in Marcus Gilbert to be that right tackle. He opts out due to COVID-19. Beecham's right there to step in, and I think you know it's one of those time-time hires, if you will, or signings that it was certainly something that was needed and ultimately might have been the best thing that happened on that offensive line was the addition of Kelvin Beecham. Yeah, because you didn't have to go out and, and you know you know spend big money on free agency. Obviously, they had some interest in some centers, but they, they made a trade and then they restructured um, Rodney Hudson's contract. Yeah, and Beecham, he, when he came in uh, after he, they announced his contract, first of all, he came in in a suit. Great guy. Just, I can listen to him all day. Um, great in the locker room, great in the community. And he said, there's not a lot of the guys I would play right tackle for. And, you know, Pittsburgh kind of changed some of their coaching staff and he, you know, he had a relationship in Pittsburgh, but he made it very clear that there's not a lot of guys I would play right tackle for. And it really came down to Sean Kugler. I'm sure the money makes sense. Obviously, you know, ra- uh, raising his family here makes a lot of sense off the field. But at the end of the day, you got to do what's best for you and your family. And he felt like Arizona was the best opportunity. Single most important factor in him joining the Cardinals, this is Beecham. And this is back on March 17th. Sean Kugler, because it was Cougs who, quote, stood on the table, end quotes, for Beecham when the Steelers drafted Kelvin Beecham back in 2012. And yes, we all assume that Beecham is going to be the starting right tackle, but even in that press conference, he is not assuming anything. He's here to compete to be that right tackle. The other returner on that offensive line, Justin Pugh. Remember earlier in the offseason, GM Steve Kime, quote, I think Justin Pugh had his best year as a Cardinal. The one knock on Pugh, and I've heard Justin talk about this, so it's not something that we're talking out of turn about, but it's the nine penalties that he was flagged for, which was tied for the most of any guard 
last season, but he was very solid outside of the penalties. And then, you know, you talk about how well he played, and then he actually went out and showed how much he wants to be here when on March 23rd he confirmed on social media that he, quote, restructured my contract, took a pay cut to stay with the Arizona Cardinals. I love Arizona and want to finish my career here. Now let's go win a ring. End of tweet. So it says a lot about Justin Pugh. Cardinals certainly were looking, and I think a lot of teams were in this position because maybe if it's a a normal offseason with a normal salary cap, they're not asking Justin Pugh to take a pay cut at that point. But because money was tight up against the cap, you're looking to make big things, big uh, signings with the Kyler Murray on his rookie contract. You're looking to find some extra dollars, and that's why they went to Justin Pugh. It wasn't, I don't think, anything to do with his play. I think it was just more of looking to, hey, who are our higher-priced guys on the roster, and where can we save a little money or divert some money elsewhere? Well, you know, we're having this conversation, and as you pointed out, three out of the five guys that were in the starting lineup last year, if you, if Justin Pugh decided, you know what, I'm not going to take a pay cut, um, you know. Um, but I, you could tell that, A, he, he, he enjoys playing for the franchise. He loves playing for Sean Coogler, and he wants to be here when the scene gets it turned around. So, you know, if we would have said, well, the only guys that are coming back are Humphreys and Kelvin uh, Beecham, well, that would have been an issue. And then we know that they got some backups. You know, Justin Murray, we're going to go through what's going to happen at right guard. So I just like where they are. And, again, I'm a big Sean Cooler fan, and we got to mention his assistant, Brian Natkin, doesn't get enough credit. Uh, they both coach each other's uh, units. Cooler uh, gets all the credit. But he, when you talk to the players, they always mention Brian Natkin. He kind of does the little things. He does the cut-ups for the players, shows them exactly what teams um, our tendencies are going through the game. And then obviously Kugler, James Saxon, Hayden, now Sean Jefferson will put the game plan together with Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah, and that's, I'm glad you brought up Brian Natkin because that's a name that I know Justin Pugh brings up as much as he can when he is talking with the media. We'll get. I, I do want to touch on Cougs some more, but uh, as far as who also is back from last season on that offensive line, Lamont Gilliard, Max Garcia, Josh Jones, Josh Miles, Justin Murray, and Coda Martin, who spent last season on the practice squad. The newcomers, Rodney Hudson, Brian Winters, Michael Minette, Brandon Bowen, Shaq Calhoun, and Sean Harlow. You add it all up, it is an offensive line that right now has 15 players in that offensive line room, and I don't think there's going to be an addition at any point between now and training camp. Now watch, MJ, something's going to happen tomorrow or the next day or the day after that or next week, and all of a sudden there's a roster. I think they're always looking, but with those 15 names that we just rattled off here on Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, I think those are the 15 names that we can all go into training camp and say, all right, Let's go position by position. Who's here? Well, we've got our 15 in that offensive line room. And that's what normally happens. We always talk about you know bringing six tight ends to camp. You you want to be able to go uh, three deep at every single position because there's some guys going to get some days off at some point. And you know the way that Sean Coogler has told us, and, and it's probably not uh, realistic, but his thoughts are that second unit shouldn't be a huge drop off. Now there's a reason why you're starting those guys. We know that. Rodney Hudson's one of the best centers in football. We know that T.J. Humphreys is, hasn't even reached his peak. If he could stay healthy, he's only going to get better. Pew obviously cut down the penalties. That, that's going to be a plus, and then we'll figure out right guard. So for the most part, it's 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 word to word. You're not relying on rookies. They have a veteran group here, and, and that to me is the way they're going to have to protect Kyler Murray 
And, uh, you know, again, um, but to me, it all is going to be based on the offensive line. And if they have to run the ball to set up the play action, I think they're willing to sign up for that. You've got more knowledge than I do on this subject. Deepest offensive line going into training camp that you can remember in, in recent memory? Yeah, because just, you know, over the last couple of years, I mean, you had A.Q. Shipley here, and obviously I think they missed him. He was the glue, and I thought maybe going with Mason Cole, younger, more athletic, but he got pushed around. So you had some turnover there. You've had turnover at the guard spot. You know, Mike Upadu was here for a long time. Yeah, on paper, yeah. I th- I just think, you know, if Josh Jones had a play, I'm confident he can play. Everything you hear is versatility. He could play both guard spots. He could play tackle. Um, you know, he was projected to be possibly a late first-round pick, and the Cardinals got him in the third round at 62. So, yeah, you know, it's going to be interesting because you draft these guys like Lamont Gilliard. Is he, is he a guy that's going to be behind Max Garcia and, and, and Rodney Hudson? So all of a sudden you can't keep everyone. Josh Miles, is he a guy that, you know, because he was projected as a tackle? So to me, Lamont Gilliard and Josh uh, Miles, it's going to be interesting to see where they are because usually you'll keep, nine or ten, try to slide a couple on the practice squad, and you dress eight on game day. So, you know, they invested in some of those guys. They weren't high picks, and now it's a matter of, you know, who are the second best uh, linemen across the board from left tackle to right tackle. Before we touch on Hudson, because I think he does deserve to be featured here on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and then the one question mark along that line, right guard what happens at that position let's go back to Sean Kugler I don't want to bury it but yeah he is the offensive line coach he was also given the title of run game coordinator as well this offseason so a promotion and you would expect maybe more say we hear Ron Wolfley talk a lot about that more dough, more say, and does that really come to fruition? Well, when Kugler spoke this offseason, and that question was specifically asked, you know, how much more are you going to be a part of the game plans week in and week out? His response, quote, we do this whole thing collectively. The whole offense is a collective effort of all the coaches, end quote. And I think in a perfect world, yeah, everyone has a say, but in that room, MJ, if you get the entire offensive coaching staff in the same room, who's the loudest voice? Well, it's the head coach. He always says the loudest voice. And then it's the offensive coordinator. Well, this team doesn't have a quote-unquote offensive coordinator, but the closest thing would be run game coordinator. I would expect that Kugler would have some more influence and maybe the way the season ended a year ago that that run game just wasn't very efficient. It bogged down. The offense as a whole bogged down. Does things change a little bit? Does this offense become a little bit more traditional where you see some more runs between the tackle or just the commitment to the run, which, you know, there's nothing wrong with passing. And I think at his core, Kingsbury would love four or five wide receivers and throw every single snap. That's what a quarterback does. They like to throw the football. He's a former quarterback talking about Kingsbury. But in order to win on this level and win consistently and be into the postseason, got to be a little bit more balanced or at least have some semblance of what's working today, what it might be different than what works next week or the previous week. Especially in this division. I mean, we, we talk about you know the quarterbacks, obviously. I think the Rams have upgraded with Matthew Stafford here and all the reports coming out of there. You know, nothing against Jared Goff. He was able to take him to the Super Bowl, but they've upgraded there. We know Russell Wilson saying all the right things right now. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo, this is the first offseason where he's been able to participate, 
you know, last year where there was because of COVID, there wasn't any off season. The year before, he was rehabbing from a an ACL injury. So you, you got to get to the quarterback, but you also got to protect the quarterback. And that's why I think it's important for this to be the backbone of this uh, this team going into the season. That's six games. They got off to a two and zero start last year in the division and finished two and four. That has to change. You look at what Sean Kugler has done in his time with the Arizona Cardinals. This will be his third season with Kingsbury as far as running the offensive line. But last year, only the sixth time in franchise history, a Cardinals offense had at least 2,000 rushing yards and 20 or more rushing touchdowns in the same season. So that's, yes, it's about the talent on the field, but also about what you have as far as who's coaching up that talent. And then what they did a year ago, they almost in half cut the number of sacks that Kyler Murray was laid on his back. He was sacked 27 times compared to 48 in 2019. That's all positive, and that's just not us, Gang saying it. Pro Football Focus, which we touch on a lot here, they ranked the Cardinals offensive line number 12, They were 22nd in 2019, so a huge jump from 2019 to 2020. The offensive line as a whole, I know it's what did you do for me recently, and recently was, well, things did not look good in the month of December, yet I do think if you can take that next step forward and get into the top 10, top 5, and it doesn't have to be the five best players in the league, just be that best group when all five individuals come together. Yeah, and again, you know, we can talk about, you know, lack of discipline. You know, maybe when it comes to Cliff, he doesn't like, you know, um, conflict. He's more of a player's coach, but he expects you to go out there and do your job. But these, you know, these pre-snap penalties, they got to reduce the penalties. And again, it starts with the head coach, but sometimes if it's the onus is on a player, if it's pre or post-snap, meaning those are mental errors. And I know you know, there's times you got to grab a guy. You don't want Kyler to get hurt. But if they can just cut down that and that, I think they will go a long way. Um, but I do think they're going to try to up and line line up and run the football again, not force it. If, if the teams want to put eight in the box, then all of a sudden you're going to utilize your guys on the outside. But I do think we're going to have more balance when it comes to the offense. Well, about the number of penalties, I think that is what a lot of people are going to focus on. And Kugler brought it up when he addressed the media in the offseason as far as just the number of pre-snap penalties. 45, second most in the league. And of those 45 pre-snap penalties, 32 false start penalties the most of any team you don't want to be playing behind the sticks and I think too many times this team this offense was playing behind the sticks the first and 10 became a first and 15 a second and seven all of a sudden then it became a second and 17 you get some momentum going you get on a little roll and then all of a sudden the whistle blows and you're looking around going what happened now you're almost waiting for something to happen during the course of a game or the course of a season and you just can't have that happen and last year, we know that there there wasn't any preseason games and no excuses. It was for all 32 teams, and you know the teams were playing in in, in you know late January. They they earned the right, um, but also when it comes down to clock management, you know you, a lot of times you're shuffling guys in and out, and you want to make sure you have the right personnel, and then you got to burn a timeout. So now that they've been on the grass and they they pretty much install their offense, they'll install it again when they get the training camp couple preseason games maybe we won't see as much miscommunication when you're trying to get different personnel on the field where you got to burn a timeout or you know uh the play's getting in late because 
you're trying to figure out, you know, what kind of personnel they're bringing in from the other side. So hopefully those things get cleaned up because that was an Achilles heel for this offense last year. Yeah, the number of penalties and then just the number of slow starts. And that became a thing, especially early on in the regular season, that opening drive. What are you doing out of the gates to kind of put some pressure on the other team? Cardinals had 16 opening drives. Only three times did they score a touchdown. Week two against Washington, week 12 at New England, and week 13 against the Rams. Three touchdowns out of 16 opening drives. I mean, I don't know how that compares with the rest of the league, but you'd much rather be up 7 nothing in the first five minutes as opposed to 3 nothing or down 7 nothing. So getting off to better starts as well. Kingsbury, yeah, wants to finish, but I think he was talking about finishing the season. How about the Cardinals' offense get off to some better starts? Well, and one thing we learned last year, and Cliff brought it up, stalled drives. And they they were right there at the top of the league, if not in the top three, when it came to you know stalled drives, made basically uh, penalties, negative yards, put them behind the sticks, and they weren't able to continue drives. And again, I think that's been a point of emphasis. You know, when you self-evaluate, those are little things. And, and Kyler Murray's talked about doing the little things that don't you know maybe don't show up in the box score, even though they do show the penalties. Um, but the little things and learning how to finish, and you know, it's 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 nice to be able to come back in a game. But you want to have the lead going in the fourth quarter. It takes so much pressure off not only your offense but your defense. Stalled drives defined as quote no points scored on a drive, no first down earned after penalty occurred. There were 34 stalled drives, the second most were the Giants with 31. So that is something that this offense looks to take a step forward and knock that number down considerably. And hopefully along those lines, why they went out and acquired a Rodney Hudson from the Raiders, who then agreed to a contract or a restructured contract. Hudson is signed through 2023. So I think this is significant because it's not just a one-year deal. You've got him a part of this offense and with Kyler Murray and everyone else for an extended period of time. But when you talk about penalties, Hudson is one of the least penalized offensive linemen in the entire game. Last season, he was not penalized at all. In fact, he's only had four in the last three seasons and has not been called for a false start since 2016. And if you talk about the center position, the anchor of the offensive line, that's where it begins. You want the best that you can get. And the Cardinals looked and said, hey, well, if the Raiders don't want him, why don't we bring him here? And I think, he, you know, uh, we've talked about this when they signed him. We talked about this when we got a chance to talk to Cougs. We talked, uh, we discussed this when Steve Kime talked about the addition and, you know, how they found out and within 24 hours um, they made a trade for him is he's going to help Kyler Murray make the calls. I mean, I can't emphasize it enough. Nothing against Cole, doesn't have the experience. We know Ship had experience where he would help out. You know, it's one of those deals where, you you know, they may have to go with the sideline count on the road. Well, they're going to be fine there. You tipped, you know, the the guard, you know, hits the hip of the of the center. So, um, not saying it's going to be easier for Murray, but he's going to have a veteran in there that's going to help him with the calls, and that's going to help Murray step up in the pocket and make some throws versus bailing on the pocket and improvising, which we know he can, you know, uh, escape tackles. But, again, I want him to sit in the pocket and make some throws. And so that 
that U-shape should be a lot better than it has in the past. Yeah, if you've got your middle solidified, then all of a sudden you've got something that you can step up to. And I think too many times that drifting or the backpedaling, and a lot of that was just Kyler Murray still trying to figure out how much can I get away with at this level versus college where you could outrun anybody. And that's just not going to happen here at the NFL level. But when you look at Hudson, three-time Pro Bowler, yet all three selections have happened in the past five years so yes he's 30 and getting into his early 30s yet he might MJ be playing his best football of his career and I was impressed with him he was here for the OTAs I mean here's a new guy obviously you know I'm sure the terminology is a little bit different You, you know he wants to get acclimated with his teammates but he was here for the OTAs and he was here uh, for the mandatory mini camp, and I think that speaks volumes because, you know, a veteran guy going to a new team, yeah, you got, you know, but he's got skins on the wall. So I don't think anyone would have batted an eye if he didn't show up every single day. But he was here, and I got to think he's going to continue to work out as they get closer to camp. By the way, Hudson turns 32 on July 12th. So yeah, getting up there in football age, but might be playing his best football as far as knowing the position, and it is a position that was made a priority in the offseason. Kugler brought that up when he addressed the media earlier in the offseason, that yes, the center position overall, quote, needs to take the next step to get better, to get better to help our offense, end quote. And without mentioning any names, this was before Hudson was acquired, but certainly that was a... I wouldn't say a red flag, but it certainly did raise eyebrows when those words were mentioned by Kugler because I don't think a lot of us going into the offseason, free agency in the draft, were thinking about an upgrade at center. Mason Cole, Lamont Gilliard, those were your two young players. There were maybe other needs, yet you hear that from the offensive line coach who just got the title of run game coordinator, and all of a sudden it's like, all right, this team is looking at the center position, and they're not satisfied with the Mason Cole or Lamont Gilliard. Well, I mean, there was a lot of uh, speculation that if the Cardinals were going to go out and sign a lineman, it would have been Corey Lindsley, and he ended up going to the Chargers, and then he thought about Alex Mack, Nick Martin, and then within 24 hours after Lindsley decided to go with Brian Balaga and play for the Chargers. So, again, and they weren't going to spend $12 million per year on a wide receiver, um, they're clearly we're going to try to address the corner position in the draft, even though they did get Butler and they brought in um, Denard recently. So it's interesting, but I, it seemed like going into the offseason, uh, the plan was to get much better in the middle. And clearly, um, when the Raiders decided to, you know, make a move, the Cardinals jumped on it. So. Um, yeah, you don't want to go out and spend big money, but to me, it's money well spent when you get a guy like Rodney Hudson. And that move, that acquisition, might be, at least as we talked about it, could be the biggest move of the offseason, whether that's a drafting, a signing, an acquisition, or a re-signing, and just the number of people inside the NFL and those that cover the NFL on how many people were surprised, one, that the Raiders decided to let Rodney Hudson go or were thinking about releasing him for whatever reason was their decision. And then all of a sudden the Cardinals wrapped up and, and or swooped in and, and grabbed him because at that point when we started looking at the centers and the names coming off the board and, yeah, it's a position that you would love to see, uh, you know, you go out and get someone who's very, very good and you get, as we talked about, maybe the best center in all of the NFL as far as the metrics are concerned, and now you've got him on your side of the table. 
Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think you and I maybe described him as probably one of the most important signings in the offseason. Yeah. And, and again, I think, you know, we're going to see it during the season. Obviously, health, you know, just like any of these guys we talk about, you got to stay healthy because um, there's a reason why they went out and, you know, gave him a draft pick and then obviously extended his contract through 2023 with a restructure. Um, he obviously gave the team a little cap space this year so they can go out and afford other players. So, yeah, I mean, I. Clearly, they, they were going to address the center position. Um, you know, you probably don't want to do that in the draft in the first three rounds. And here they are in the seventh round. They took Michael Minette uh, from Penn State, who I think will be the future center. Everything you hear about him, quick learner. Uh, I'll obviously, learn from a guy like Rodney Hudson. He's been here. Rookies will be here for a couple next, uh, a couple more weeks. We'll see if he makes the active roster. Worst case scenario is if he doesn't play a ton in the preseason, which I want. Maybe you can slide him to their practice squad. We haven't heard much from Hudson as far as him speaking with the media, but you just think that he has this quiet confidence about him, and he might be one of those players like a Larry Fitzgerald that publicly doesn't say a lot, but maybe privately, either in that locker room, in those meeting rooms, and certainly out on the football field, his voice is going to carry, not as far as how loud it is, but just the influence and what he's seen, because that center position, you've got to make you have to make the calls and you have to be quick on your feet you've got to make snap judgments and snap decisions and then make sure the quarterback is aware and then the, the guard on either side of you that they can relay what is happening to the tackles yeah and to me that's right up his alley so I mean I I can't emphasize it enough I, I think it was one of the better signings we can sit here and we'll look at AJ Green and Malcolm Butler JJ uh, Watt and, and again, I thought the Cardinals did a good job retaining some of their own players. You can't re-sign everyone. And I, th- I, would th- I was really thrilled they brought Marcus Golden back just, just to kind of add some, add some more energy to that defense. The one question mark that this offensive line has is right guard. Before we get into that, got to remind the Bird Gang that you can watch all Cardinals Flight Plan episodes on the Cardinals official YouTube channel. YouTube.com slash AZ Cardinals. So far, two episodes in episode one, Power Surge, that kind of focused on free agency. Episode two, titled First Class, dealt with the 2021 draft class. And yes, a new flight plan episode is in the works as we speak. The best way to make sure you never miss an episode, again, hit that subscribe button, youtube.com slash azcardinals. That's why you never miss any of the Emmy Award-winning episodes of Cardinals Flight Plan. All right, I'm Jay. The right guard position here as we continue on Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. There is going to be competition. Kingsbury made that clear during OTAs and minicamp, and he gave four names. Brian Winters, Justin Murray, Josh Jones, and Max Garcia. Those four players, as far as who's replacing J.R. Sweezy, who was the starting right guard last season, let's take these one by one, and I kind of put it in order on how I see the depth chart, and I'm giving the edge, and that's just me, without even knowing anything or seeing anything. Brian Winters, for me, would be that quote-unquote starter just because, well, the experience. 70 of his 88 career starts have come at the right guard position, plus... The guy next to him at right tackle, they were teammates 
Winters and Kelvin Beecham were teammates for three seasons with the Jets from 2017 to 2019. I do think that matters. And yes, experience does matter at the right guard position as far as knowing what to expect from the guy or guys that might be lining up against you and trying to steamroll you, bull rush you, and try to get to the quarterback or the ball carrier in the backfield. So for me, MJ Brian Winters would be that leader in the clubhouse, if you will. Now he's got to hang on to that. Nothing's given, but to me, he's the guy to keep an eye on. Well, there's nothing like having experience, and, and let's be honest, you know, Justin Murray, who we'll get into here momentarily, he, he bailed his team out a couple of years ago when they had some injuries on that right side of the line. So, but yeah, I mean, you look at it, 70 of 88 career starts, and you mentioned he played with Beecham with the Jets from 2017 to 19. So to me, he comes in with experience, and the fact is that he's a plug-and-play guy, but they're going to have open competition. So one practice, we could see winners getting first-team reps. Maybe the afternoon, the next day practice, uh, we'll see Murray. Curious to see how they'll approach the preseason games. Not that it means a whole lot, but you're trying to get some chemistry and continuity with your five guys, and then we'll see him alternate some other guys. So uh, I think winners goes in, maybe uh, getting the first team reps, but I do think they're going to alternate with him and Murray, and then we'll see where Josh Jones lines up. Is he lining up at right tackle? Is he your swing tackle? And then we'll, we'll also get into to Max Garcia because I definitely think he's got a spot on the team more from an interior standpoint. The one edge that Murray might have, and I don't even think it's might have, but it's the experience within this offense. True. He's been here. Brian Winters is a newcomer, but Murray started the final four games last season at right guard, seven starts overall at that spot, and according to Kugler, was, quote, very consistent. Now, you know, is that enough? I don't know, but if you're putting competition out there, who performs the best, and that's where this practice and preseason, I think you might see a lot as far as you mentioned the rotation, and then how deep does that rotation go? Do Josh Jones, Max Garcia, do they get time with that first-team offensive line to figure out how they work together as a group? Because Josh Jones might be the wild card in all of this because drafted in the third round, in 2020 and looked at as a tackle right tackle or left tackle and we're informed by Cougs that hey we're even working him in inside meaning he can play the guard position they like his versatility yet at the same time is this the year for a draft pick to take that next step or is he still might be in the wings waiting his turn all right hypothetically here let's say winner starts at right guard next to Beecham so now when you look at Justin Murray, he can play four different positions. Now you look at Josh Jones, he can play four different positions. So those guys are dressing on game day, and then I think the eighth guy would be Max Garcia. That's a hypothetical if winner starts. The fact that these guys can play four different positions, and, and I'm sure um, you know, as, a, as, a, as the seventh or eighth guy, you're probably going to have to learn to snap, but we know Max Garcia is is a guy that could be the backup center, and he'll be the eighth lineman on the roster. But hypothetically, you do have a couple guys that could be your swing tackle or swing guard, and that's important with position flexibility going into any game. You would never want to use it. You never have to or want to use that guy coming off the bench. But if something happens to a D.J. Humphreys for a series or two, is that Justin Murray or is that Josh Jones? 
And these are two players in Murray and Jones who can play up and down the line of scrimmage. And maybe even if, you know, in a case of an emergency, yes, yeah, snap the football. But I do think Max Garcia might be that guy that they look at to be that backup center, if you will. If something should happen with Rodney Hudson. Max Garcia is someone we haven't seen a lot of as far as on the offense. He's played a lot on special teams, but has not played on offense, but was one of those first hires or first signings, I should say, when Kingsbury and Kugler came aboard because of the experience and the familiarity that Max Garcia had with Sean Kugler. So there's a reason why, you know, Garcia is still on this roster, even though he hasn't played a ton on offense. Yeah. And you pointed out, you know, when it comes to Josh Jones, he played 13 games. He was mainly used as a six lineman, a third round pick. Um, and again, if you know, we look at you know Max Williams and Darrell Daniels, and I do think the Cardinals are going to run twelve personnel, which is two tight ends. Doesn't have to be two tight ends though. It could be Max Williams or Darrell Daniels and Josh Jones. I mean, he's got the body there, and now all of a sudden you're protecting the edges if you do want to go three and four or five wide. So again, I just like you know when you're not a starter and you can play multiple positions that's going to get you a way to get on the field a lot quicker than just playing one position and everyone wants to start but there is something to be said about being able to come in in a pinch and play multiple positions i'll go back to the original swiss army knife earl watford you always have a spot, it seems, in the NFL, the more you can do. And Watford was one of those guys who could do a lot and carved out a nice career for himself. Now, again, you want to be out on that field. You don't want to be watching from the sidelines. But I do like what you're saying. Like, who who doesn't get this starting right guard job? Then all of a sudden it's, okay, let's work them in to where they can be the backup at either guard position and then backup at tackle as well. The good news is if they don't start um... – they're not going to get buried. They're going to be active on game day. And it could be, you know, a guy's uh, – maybe he's it's an equipment thing or, you know, maybe he's got hurt and because they, they blew the whistle, you got to come out for a play. Maybe it's a guy who misses one game. But the good news is these guys are not going to go in the tank and get buried because they're going to be active on game day. They're one play away from being a starter. That right guard position, as far as the offensive line, something to keep an eye on, Bird Gang, as we get closer to training camp and then figuring out who is getting the first team reps, the second team reps, third team reps, if you will. So that would be the one question mark on the offensive line. You rattled off the eight names active on game day, throwing in Max Garcia along with a Justin Murray and Josh Jones. If Winters is the guy, Wonder where that leaves a Lamont Gilliard. Is he able to make this roster? What about a Brandon Bowen who has the ability to play both guard and tackle? He was one of those offseason additions. And then the draft pick, seventh-round selection at Penn State, Michael Minette. Can he do enough or is he more of a quote-unquote project? You don't have room on the 53 for him this season, but maybe if he's able to slide through waivers, you get him on the practice squad, and all of a sudden you work to develop him to be that long-term answer, if you will. Yeah, and, and I do think they'll keep nine or ten. Uh, again, they'll dress eight on game day. And, and this year, you know, because you don't have to have an extra punter or you know, a kicker because of COVID, the Cardinals are going to load up at certain positions, and they're hoping to develop these guys for down the road. So they may not be, you know, active on game day, but I think they're going to do a, a different job where you don't have to cover because of COVID and, you know, uh, tracing and all that. The impression I get is they're going to load up on a couple different positions. It's going to be offensive line. It could be D-line. It could be wide receiver because we know there's injuries that occur throughout the course of the season. You never hope it happens, but you have to be prepared 
for that to happen. I think the Cardinals certainly like the depth at the offensive line. You've got your five starters and then some capable quality backups, if you will, that might be maybe even considered starters on another team. And that's what you like if you're the general manager when you look at your roster that your second team is maybe perhaps good enough to be a starter on another team. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Brandon Bolin. Because he looks the part, and it's just a matter of, you know, what's his natural position. He looks like he can play on the outside, but he's a guy that would be practice squad eligible. You get an injury through the year. Um, you, got, you know, you got the guy that's been in the system for at least a couple, at least uh, an off season. So, again, I, I do think they're going to slide a couple of these guys on the practice squad. Bowen, 6'7", 315 pounds. Yeah. You also got Coda Martin, 6'6", 304. Joshua Miles, the 2019 seventh-round pick. 6'5", 325, so they, again, all look the part. Now, all of a sudden, it's can you play the part of an offensive lineman? Yeah, and I think, you know, again, I think Buddy uh, Buddy Morris does a great job with the training of these guys. You know, they spend a lot of time in the weight room, and they have different drills this year. So I, I would think that that's not going to be an issue. It's, you know, it's just more coming together and creating chemistry. And if your number's called, you better be ready. I We started off this conversation about talking about the offensive line. I referred to it as the most important position group. You called it the backbone. Either way, I think we're in agreement that this team specifically offensively is going to be successful as long as the offensive line is successful. And everyone works in tandem, but you have to have those five guys up front doing their job so Kyler Murray and everyone else, the skilled position players, are afforded the opportunity to do their jobs. Yeah, and like I said, I, I, you know, you have to run the ball, especially in this division. I know that, you know, at the end of the day, it's how many points you have on the board. And, you know, if, if this defense can carry their water initially, um, you know, I'm not saying, you know, keep teams in the teens. That would be a goal. But you're going to have to score points at some point. To me, if you run the ball, win at the line of scrimmage early in the game, that opens up the play action, and hopefully the defense can force more turnovers to give the offense a short field to play with. So, Bert Gang, that is our discussion on the offensive line, and we'll continue these position-by-position breakdowns here in the offseason as we work our way towards training camp because I do think it's good to do a little bit of refresher to figure out, all right, what exactly is as far as what's going on with these positions because a lot of a lot of moving parts during the course of an offseason between free agency and the draft and all of a sudden you maybe lose sight of different things and we focus more on the most recent signing the most recent draft pick but looking at a big picture position by position I'm going to enjoy this exercise MJ over the next several weeks yeah I mean last year we didn't get a chance to see anybody on the field so we we were you know we were up there every day, but there was three days where we can watch practice, and you know, after 20, 25 minutes, we can't talk about it. But this is night and day, so it's not like we're guessing here. We see it with our eyes, and we see how close the chemistry and the uh, and the personalities are on this team. And you know, bringing in guys like J.J. Watt and Rodney Hudson, I mean, the leadership they're going to bring in the locker room. So we have a lot more to go on. Than, than last year. Not that we were faking it. We, you know, obviously we talked to people and we try to connect dots, but we had no idea going into training camp who was lining up there. Now we have an idea, and that it could change over the next couple of, you know, nothing's going to happen until late July, but I, I can sit here and say I'm more confident in my opinion about things because I was able to see it, and we got. Ch- you know, between the big red rage and the coaches that go on there, we got to talk to talk to Vance last week. I'm more educated on what the roster looks like. Where last year, 
you kind of had to wait, and there was no preseason games because we really couldn't evaluate things. I think that's a good word, well-educated. It beats not being educated at all, which I think a lot of us were swimming a lot last season, especially with nothing out there as far as offseason and just kind of going by what we hear as opposed to what we say, so or what we see, I guess I should say. On that note, how about we put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.